Welcome to the C3 Vancouver Church Podcast. Senior pastors Darren and Bree Elliott are so excited to share this word with you and believe that God will speak to you through it. Here at C3 Vancouver, we know that God has the best in store for you today and every day. We've got your Bibles. Why don't you turn with me to the book of Joshua, book of Joshua chapter 6. We're in our tribe series, book of Joshua chapter 6. I want to read a couple of scriptures to you and then we're just going to get into it. I am going to preach short today because we've got a lot going on. Joshua chapter 6 from verse 2 and it says, Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands along with its king and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets and ram's horns in front of the ark. And on the seventh day, march around the city seven times. Everybody say, seven times. You're going to march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpet. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout. Everybody say, shout. No, you can't say shout, just shout. Say shout. Shout. Give a loud shout and the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up, everyone straight in. Moving ahead to to verse 15, it says, On the seventh day, so they'd already done their six days, we're skipping ahead. On the seventh day, they got up at daybreak and marched around the city seven times in the same manner, except that on that day, they circled the city seven times. And the seventh time around, when the priest sounded the trumpet blast, but Joshua commanded the army, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. And moving ahead to verse 20, and it says, Then the trumpet sounded, and the army shouted, and at the sound of the trumpet, when the men gave a long shout, everybody say, shout, Shout. the wall wall collapsed. So everyone charged straight in, and they took the city. Title of my message this morning in our tribe series is War Cry, the sound of tribe. Every tribe has a sound. Every tribe has a sound. There are certain sounds that are distinct to every tribe. And God is the author of sound. He uses sound. And I want to talk to you today about the purpose of your voice, this thing that God has given you, this capacity that He has given you. Just as Joshua There was a shout that came and the walls came down. We have an Old Testament. We also have a New Testament. In the New Testament, who can tell me which story in which there were people doing something with their mouths in which walls came down and doors were opened? Anybody, anybody? Come on. New Testament, Apostle, Paul, guy named Silas. They were worshipping God. And what happened is they worshipped Him. They were in a prison. The walls came down. The doors flew open. Their shackles came off. Why? Because there was a sound that resounded through them from heaven that brought about change. Sound is an incredible tool. Sound is incredibly important. Sound is so important. Sound creates atmosphere. Without sound, the atmosphere changes. Sound has the ability to produce incredible atmosphere. I've got a clip here to to demonstrate this idea. Play the first clip with with the sporting event with the sound on. Let's just watch this for a second. Three, should the Bulls foul? No, come on. Anthony for three. Bang! That one goes down and the game is tied. 
And I like that move. In the hands of Anthony. Anthony for three. Puts it in. Next by one yeah. with 8.2 remaining. Tense left. A three. Oh, here we go. The series. It's Lillard. He got the shot off. Oh, on the buzzer. Yeah. Fulton for the win. win the All right. KD gonna give it three. Should the Bulls stop? Okay, no. Can stop it now. Okay, what is it that carried the atmosphere in that room? Play it again with no sound, and see if you notice a difference to the energy. What you feel just viewing the same thing but with no sound. We're watching exactly the same thing, but it just doesn't. It's just not exciting. It's hard, to, it's hard to get into it. I mean, even though you know exactly what's about to happen, even though you know that what is about to happen right now is that our beloved basketball team is about to win. But it's hard to get excited about things when there is no sound. Because sound creates atmospheres. And atmospheres create expectation. Sound creates atmospheres, but atmospheres create expectation. And you and I are called by God to be a people who don't just respond to atmospheres, but you and I are called to create atmospheres because in an atmosphere, there is an, there is an expectation that is created. And in that expectation, people receive all that God has for them. In the absence of expectation, even Jesus himself said that he couldn't go back to his hometown and preach the gospel. No, nobody would hear what he had to say. Why? Because there was no expectation. They don't want to hear it. They're not interested. I mean, Jesus is the ultimate communicator, the best communicator of all time, arguably. And yet, even he said, I, can't, I can preach the same message over here as what I preached over here and nobody's going to listen to it over there. Why? It's because expectation. Now, often we just conform ourselves to the expectation, but God is wanting us to shape atmospheres to produce an expectation, to produce an environment where God can move. That's why we worship here at church. We come to church and the first thing we do is we worship. Why? It's because we want to create an atmosphere because in that atmosphere, it produces an expectation so that then when we can receive God's Word, the, 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 the things that we're facing in life, the things that have consumed our mind on the way to church, the argument with your wife in the car, the slapping of the kids in the back seat, shut up back there. Leave me alone. No, you can't have ice cream on the way to church. All those things, it all, the, 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 the conversations that you've had, all of that, we worship at the, at the start of the service. Why? To get your eyes off you and to get your eyes on Him. We shape the atmosphere. We spend all this time, energy, and effort setting all this stuff up. Why? To create an atmosphere. Because atmospheres create expectation. If you don't believe me how important sound is, just think about the movies that you love. Think about how the soundtrack, when you, 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 you know what's about to happen, not because of what you're seeing visually, but what you're hearing with your ears. You know, if I go, dun, 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 
dun, dun, dun, dun, dun, dun. Just, you know exactly what's about to happen. Somebody is dinner for a shark right now. If you hear the, ree, 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 somebody in a shower somewhere is getting stabbed right now when you hear that. You know by the sound, the sound creates an expectation. In the movie business, it's incredible. Do you know that when you go to the theatre, that, that the sound system in the theatre is now the thing when you go that they advertise? They don't advertise how great the projection system is or how big the screen is. You pay extra to go for the, to the, to the theatre with the high-quality sound system. In fact, they spend four times more dollars on the sound system than they do in the projection system. See, you think you're going to to see something. I'm going to see a movie. No, you're not. You're actually going to hear a movie. You're going to experience something. We have this idea that everything, that our eyes are our biggest um, sense, but they're just not. What comes into our ear, what we hear can shift and change our life. It's not just what we see with our eyes, but it's the auditory experience that enhances, it creates an expectation. You can know what's coming up in the movie. They can shift and, 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 and mess with your emotions. And we've all been in those movies where you're expecting something really bad to happen and then nothing happens. And they're building up the tension and they're building up the tension, and you're just waiting, and you've kind of got one eye half closed. You know what I'm talking about? you got the one eye closed, and you're barely opening the other one because you think something's about to jump out at you, some big spider, right, Kelsey? This is going to come at you. It's going to come at you. And then all of a sudden you hear nothing happens, and then it's like, like, and all the tension suddenly leaves. The ability to bring tension the ability to, to remove tension, not because of what you see with your eyes, but what you hear with your ears. Sound creates atmospheres, and atmospheres create expectation. In our lives, so often we struggle to, to, to walk in the fullness of all that God has for us. And the problem is, is that we're trying to shift our lives by, and wanting to experience something new, but we haven't shifted the atmosphere around our life that can produce something new. We're learning new pieces of information, but we're not seeing change in our world. We're believing new things about God and His plan and purpose for our life, but we're not seeing change take place. Today, I want to encourage you that there is, there is a mechanism that God has provided that He has given you that will affect the greatest amount of change in your world. You see, any information th- flows through a pathway, and the pathway in you and I is like this. Information comes and it hits us where? Between the ears, in our head. We absorb that information, and we hear something, and you might think, yeah, Pastor Darren, that's true. I'm hearing this information. This is good stuff. I understand what you're saying. Our first part is understanding. But the Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean on your own So our understanding immediately has a limited capacity, right? And so often, that becomes all we do. We just learn more stuff. 
And then, and then when, when something's not going right, we just think, well, what I need to do is I need to just learn some more stuff. And so we get on the internet. Come on. And we just need to learn whatever I'm going through. There's got to be Google's got an answer for everything. I find out the answer to that. Some more information. If I just get some more information. But the Bible tells us that, our, that, that, that what we can c- contain within our head is going to limit our life because we can't trust what's going on in our head. The next place information goes is from our head. It goes to another place. It goes into our heart. That's a deeper level. The head is the things you understand. The heart is the things that you believe. The heart is the things you believe things. And believing's good, yeah? I mean, we would all say that to believe is good. We want need to believe. But the problem is, is that the dwelling place of that belief, the heart, has a condition. And the Bible talks about it very clear in the book of Jeremiah. It says that the heart is deceitful above all things. So this information that you've got in your head that's now transferred into your heart, these things that you believe, now resides in a place that's problematic. Because our heart is easily manipulated. Our heart is filled with deceit. It can't contain truth in and of itself. There is something else that needs to come into effect. The information comes, it goes into our head. These are the things that we understand. It goes into our heart. These are the things that we believe. But there's one more place where truth has to dwell. And this is the place that can bring the absolute greatest change in your life is when things go from your head into your heart and then they come flying out your mouth. It's the things that come out your mouth that will produce. These are the sounds. These are the war cries. These are the truth that has has made that journey from understanding to belief to your word. Your word is the thing that has power. Your word, your tongue is the creative force that God gave you. We are made in His image. God said, let there be light and there was Light, the creation, all hinges on the voice of the Lord. God's Word and who He is are one and the same. First John tells us that in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. God's Word and who He is are one and the same. And so when we get His Word coming out of our mouth, we now have, have, tap into the creative force of who He is in our lives. Proverbs chapter 18 is, is a scripture that you have heard when it comes to the, the tongue. And normally when Proverbs 18 is preached, here's what people will focus on. And this is this one line that says, life and death is in the power of the tongue. And usually this scripture is, is brought out to demonstrate how wicked the, the tongue is. Now, Proverbs also talks about the tongue and our need to tame it, like it's a wild beast of an animal. Who knows what I'm talking about? But this scripture is not about the evil of the tongue. If we step back from it and look at the, the, from verse 20, listen to this. It says, A man's stomach shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth. Now, I don't know about you, but normally fruit goes in my mouth, not out of it. But here's the thing is it says that my stomach will be filled. What is that talking about? It's talking about my future. It's talking about everything I need, that I need inside me to produce, that all that God wants to do in me and through me will come. How? 
by the fruit of his mouth. Little h, it's not God's mouth, it's our mouth. A man's stomach, not God's, a man's stomach shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth. From the produce of his lips, he shall be filled. Verse 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. See, death is the, is the, is the minor subtext. Life is the, is, the, is the context here. The context is how to produce all that you need in your life. It's gonna come out of this thing. Information comes, it goes into your head. It becomes into your heart. It's the things that you believe. But then God produces it out of your mouth. It's when it comes out of your mouth, now it has some power. Now it can produce something. And many of us as Christians find ourselves knowing lots of things about God, believing lots of things about God, but never actually declaring anything about God. And then we wonder why all the information, all the revelation, all the belief isn't producing an outcome in our life. It's simply because the agent of change in your life has been given to you. It's in your head and it's got a big flappy piece of flesh on the end of it called the tongue. And what you gotta do is get that thing under control and begin to declare not just what you understand, not just what you feel inside of you, but it will produce all that God has for you. Can I get an amen up in this place today? This is the God's word. This is what God is wanting to do in your life. See, many of us are frustrated in not seeing the fullness of God. I tell you, I'm here to tell you today that, is, that there is something that can rise up inside of you that is more than just a, an understanding. It's more than just a revelation. It is word that goes forth out of your mouth. The heart is deceitful above all things, but the tongue, the tongue is powerful. And God has given us a voice not just any old voice, but a voice of victory, a voice of declaration. Psalm chapter 47, verse one says, clap your hands, all you people. Shout to the Lord with a voice of, shout to the Lord with a voice of, it's victory in Jesus' name. We don't shout to the Lord with a, a, a voice of despair. Oh God! We don't shout to the Lord with a voice of, Wondering, We don't shout to the Lord with a voice of worry. We shout to the Lord with a voice of triumph. What is that? It's the understanding that we have that then has gotten down into our heart that we believe and now we begin to declare it out there. A triumphant voice. A triumphant voice is a war cry. When you get a group of people together that have a triumphant voice, whenever they go into battle, Whenever they go into war, that voice resonates and resides. I come from the Southern Hemisphere, Australia, but my heritage is actually New Zealand. Bree was born in New Zealand. Actually, she was born in South Africa, but she was raised in New Zealand. Her parents are from New Zealand as well. People from New Zealand, we call them Kiwis because that's a little animal, little marsupial. It's not even a marsupial, is it? It's a little bird with no wings that you can only see in dark, so you can't see it. And it's black. <laughs> Go figure. I don't think anybody's ever seen a Kiwi, but we just pretend that they actually exist. But anyway, <laughs> but here's the thing. 
the Maori culture is the native, it's the, the First Nations or, or what would be the American Indian here. They are, they are an island nation, but they are very, um, they are very tribal and they, are very, they, are, they are, have a warrior mindset. If you've ever seen pictures of tribal people that have um, big full face tattoos, you're probably looking at a Maori. The Maori people are very proud people, they're very fierce people. And one of the things that in New, in New Zealand culture is that is as New Zealand culture, even white New Zealand culture, has embraced this Maori tribalism, and it's found its way into into the sporting world. And if you've ever watched a game of sport, it doesn't matter what it is, it could be flipping, you know, women's table tennis. They will have. They will do something before the match. If you face a New Zealand team, if they're in your opposition, you will face something called the haka. Let me, if you haven't seen the haka, we'll look to the screen right now and you're about to experience it. Okay. This is the Kamate version. against these fellas, right? I mean, here in America, we, we, you know, we come out with our big pads on. You know, have to decide whether we're going to stand or kneel during the national anthem. These are the big debates of our time. You know, these are things we, you know, am I going to have the yellow Gatorade or the blue Gatorade? This is full contact rugby and, and, and you're being stared down by by people who are acting like absolute savages and looking like they are literally going to come over there and rip your head off now. It's a war cry. It's intimidating, and that's why they do it. And I'm serious when I say you can go to a woman's netball game in New, in, against the New Zealand team, and the girls are doing that. Okay. Now, why? It's, it, there, is the, there is tradition attached to it, and that's all great. But I'll tell you why they do it. It's because it is very intimidating. It's very intimidating. 
And see, the problem that we have in our Christian life is we've given all the intimidation power to the devil. We let him run the intimidation game. He is the intimidator. But God has given you a voice. It is your intimidation machine. And when you gather together with other believers, you can do the kamate haka to the devil's face and scare him off. See, the devil, look, the devil is a liar. He is a, he, he, he's a deceiver. He wants to come again. He, look, he is like, he is like the, the lion and the wildebeest. You ever watch the, the National Geographic special? You never see the, 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 the lions go after the strong, muscular males. No, what do they do? They find the, the weakest, the lamest, and they go after them. And then they separate them from, from the herd. And then they hunt them down and they bring them down. They don't go after the strongest, they go after the weakest. The best tactic that you have to ward off the works of the enemy in your life is to get in, get in his face, intimidate him. He'll leave you alone, folks. God has given you a weapon. He has given you His Word and your mouth. And God's Word in your mouth is just as powerful as His Word in His mouth. God's Word in your mouth is just as powerful as His Word in His mouth. And when you step into that, and when you gather together with others, and you allow ours a resounding war cry, you move from intimidation to a voice of triumph. You move from allowing what the devil is wanting to say to run ragged over your mind to the voice of triumph. God has not given me a spirit of fear. He's given me a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. We don't have to be consumed with what we don't understand. We don't have to be consumed with what we can't control. We have to allow the voice of victory, the triumphant sound that God has placed inside of us to emanate from us. That's His plan. That's His purpose. There is a war cry inside of each one of us, and it's time we let it out. It's a time we took the intimidation to the devil rather than allowing him to intimidate us. Amen? Amen. Let, me, let me just give you, in the time we've got four minutes left. Okay, here we go. Four minutes for four points. Can you believe with me in Jesus' name? Amen. Here we go. Four different sounds that I believe that God wants to bring out of your mouth. Number one is the sound of encouragement. The sound of encouragement. You and I have the ability to draw out the best in other people. I say it many times. Your life was not given to God by, to you for you. It was given for somebody else. Your life, the whole design of your life is for you to draw the very best out of somebody and draw them into relationship with God. That is the core purpose of every person in this room. That's what God's plan, purpose, and destiny for you in a nutshell. Draw people to Him. Draw people into His into relationship with Him. The, the bottom line is here is that the, the methodology that we use is not one of condemnation. The Bible's clear and says that Jesus did not come to this world to condemn the world, but to set it free. You and I are agents of Christ, hence the term Christian means little Christ. We are little versions of Him running around. That's what we do. We are agents. And here's the thing. The tool that Jesus used all the time, the only people that Jesus got down on were the religious leaders, number one, and His own disciples, number two. In fact, the harshest things that Jesus said to anybody on earth were to His disciples. The harshest ones. 
And that's because he was engaged in a different proposition with those 12 than he was with the rest of the world. Everybody else that he came in contact with, whether they were diseased, a sinner, a prostitute, whatever it is that their circumstance was, Jesus always brought a word of encouragement and knelt down to lift them out of their circumstance. We need to have a spirit and a sound of encouragement. When you're interacting with people, is the thing that's coming out of your mouth in encouragement or discouragement? So the word defines it all. Do you infuse courage into your relationships or do you withdraw courage? Does somebody walk out of a conversation with you feeling like they can do it, that they're more powerful or that they're less? To encourage is to make a deposit of courage. To discourage is to make a withdrawal of courage. See, here's, here's the bottom line. Here's what we've got to understand. Encouragement is not a reward. I hear people say this all the time. I don't, you know, all these people are always, always saying, they're always, in, always so encouraging. But if you haven't done anything, then why should you be, you know, you've got to deserve encouragement. It's a, it's, a, it's a fallacy. We don't deserve anything from God, and yet His Word is filled with encouragement. You're more than a conqueror. You're an overcomer. You're blessed. You're increased. Let me do all this for you. Hey, let me send my only son to die on the cross for you because I love you so much. This is God's methodology. This is his plan and his purpose upon the earth. God didn't stand in heaven and point a finger and condemn. He did everything that was possible to bring full redemption. And nothing can be more encouraging. As we live together, I tell you, that, you know, the, the person to look out for in your world isn't, the, isn't the, the person that just butts heads with you, that's the opposite. Or, you know, you say black, they say white. Those people are easy to weed out. It's what I call the subtle skeptic. And all of us have these people in our world. The subtle, S-U-B-T-L-E, subtle, skeptic. This is the person that when you say something about something that you're wanting to do or planning to do, they will just subtly inject little nuggets of negativity. Little, well, you know, you tell them about some exciting plan, start a business, I say, well, you know that, you know, 90% of small businesses fail within the first five years. You know, you don't really want to think about that. You know, you know, is this something like in this time of your life where you, they're not, Opposed, they're not saying, you're stupid, you're dumb, you haven't got what it takes. No, it's the subtlety. And it removes the courage from you. I don't know about you, but when somebody comes against the opposite to me, it rises up. Oh, you say I can't do that? I'll show you. But the subtle skeptic gets under your skin, sows the seed of doubt that then disables your action disables your words. We need to be a people who are filled with courage. I used four minutes on that one point. Here we go. The sound of encouragement. Are you guys all right? Can we go a little longer today? Sound of encouragement. Number two, the sound of generosity. Generosity has a sound. And you know what the sound of generosity is? It's yes. Yes is the sound of generosity. Generosity isn't just a, isn't just a, a, a money equation. There are three aspects to every one of our lives, three resources that God has given you. He's given you money, that's your treasure. He's given you time, and he's given you talent. The three T's, time, talent, and treasure. 
The question of generosity is one of what are you doing with those things? And you can always hear the sound of generosity because the sound of generosity is a yes. Hey, Brandon, can you take care of this for me? Yes. Hey, Rhonda, we need this to happen. Can you make sure these things happen? Yes. Do you know what the sound, the opposite of that is in the Christian world particularly? Hey, Egla, can you take care of this for me? Let me pray about it. We need to get a yes in our spirit. The Bible says that all God's promises are yes and amen. You want to find God's promise? Get a yes in your spirit. Get a yes in your spirit. Walk down the doorways that God, the opportunities that He opens for you. I don't understand why in this moment, in this season, that it makes no sense for me or for them, quite frankly, to go, for Kelsey and Kine to go back to Hermiston. But I see that God has opened up an opportunity and now the only question I have to ask myself isn't do I understand it, it's do I, do I see how this could all work out. It's all I have to ask myself is, is this God? And if the answer to that is yes, then the only purpose, thing I can do is respond and say, I will walk in obedience, even if I don't understand it. You've got to have a yes in your spirit. You've got to step into the yes. Nothing was ever made viable by a no. Opportunity is responded with a yes. We have to have a generous yes inside of us. You know what? I can tell how generous somebody is with every aspect of their life by one critical thing. So you think I'm up here playing guitar in my own little world. No, no. I'm judging every single one of you. That's what I'm doing. Because I can tell how generous somebody is by the way they worship. Because worship is the ultimate act of generosity. The Bible says that we bring a sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. If you can't worship you're just not going to be generous. I mean, how, how, how more obvious, how, how more worthy can somebody be of praise, honor, and glory than the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the one that made you, the one then that redeemed you and saved you from your own stupidity? If he isn't worthy, then who is worthy of your time, talent, and treasure if he isn't? Let that not be a rebuke. Let that be an encouragement to you. See, I can, it's very hard for me to believe that somebody who won't worship God, that won't step out of themselves for just a moment and say, God, you are awesome in this place. That they're then generous with other aspects of their life. If you can't be generous with God, why would, make, why would you make me think that you're going to be generous with people? You can chew on that during the week. <laughs> It went really quiet in the church all of a sudden. All right. Number three. What am I talking about? The sound. The sound, the sound of generosity, the sound of prayer. The sound of prayer. Prayer should be our default position. Prayer is literally this. It's having a communication with God. It's nothing more complicated than that. Now, I have a relationship with my wife. I have a great marriage. I'm so blessed to be married to one of the most wonderful people in the history of the world. Lord knows what sin she committed to deserve me. However, I have, you know, God has blessed me. That's all I can say. But here's, here's, the, here's the thing. 
is that the thing that makes our relationship function well is not a lack of communication. It is using my voice. It is in my communication. In fact, it's one thing for me to, to, to know, have an understanding that I love her. It's another thing for me to believe that I, that I love her. But who knows that it really only kicks in once something actually comes out of your mouth. Do you know that when you get married, they have these things called vows? What are they? Declarations of things that you both understand and that you feel inside of you, but they don't have any power, anything. The commitment is not made. The covenant means nothing until you actually say it with your mouth. It's a vow. The power is not in the the understanding. The power is not in having it in your heart. It's when you say it with your mouth. His word is powerful. His word in your mouth can shape your life because his word is who he is. And wherever his word goes, so he goes. Prayer is just merely speaking to God. Now, here's here's the problem is that often our prayer life sounds more like the sound of desperation than the sound of declaration. It doesn't sound like a sound of victory. It sounds like a sound of defeat. That we're, that we're, we're downtrodden, we are, we're, we're broken, we, we get to the end of ourselves where, where we can't do anything anymore, and so we're so desperate, then we cry out to God, God, rescue me, save me, help me. But that is such a distorted view of what the relationship that God is wanting to have with you and I and the power of the voice. The Bible is clear that when we cry out to him in our moment of despair, he will reach down and save us. God is a rescuing God. I'm not undermining that in any way. But can I tell you that you can't live a powerful, victorious life if you're always needing rescuing. If you're always having to get to a point of despair before you invite God into your world. If you're drowning taking on water constantly, then how are you going to actually live a victorious life? How are you going to actually be the person that can reach down into somebody else's life and drag them out? You can't. See, the only way that you can position yourself and the only posture as a believer that we can have is one where we don't come to God with despair and desperation, but we come to God with declaration. God, I believe your word. Your word tells me that I am more than a conqueror. Your word tells me that I am victorious. You are Jehovah Jireh. You are my provider. You are Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. You have done more than enough, exceedingly abundantly, more than I could ask or think, and that your power will then be at work in and through my life according to your word. That is the power of declaration. See, if the only time I told my wife that I loved her was when I was desperate, when everything else in my world had fallen apart and I just come begging and pleading to my wife, baby, baby, just, just tell me, just tell me that you love me. Now, she's a very gracious, merciful woman and I'm sure she would do that. But this is a very weak position. You know what? 
When things, when I'm on top of the world, baby, you're the best thing that ever happened to me. All these great things that are happening in my life, they're not because of me. They're because of you. They're because I married the hottest chick who is, it, who, who, who is the smartest, most diligent, most incredible person. I tell you, my life would be broken and battered without you. I tell you what, do you think that that's going to that's gonna produce more relationship than the other way? Yeah, she'll be gracious and merciful. She'll be loving to me in my point of desperation. But I tell you what, if I want to fuel the fire of my relationship, it's got to come out of confidence. It's got to come out of declaration. You are amazing. Thank you so much for everything that you've done for me. That will fuel the, fuel the fire. That'll get things busy in the bedroom. I'm telling you. Desperation never produced anything in the bedroom. You want to have a great, successful relationship, begin to declare truths with confidence and boldness over one another. That's what will produce the good things in life. We have, a, have to have the sound, what do I say, encouragement, generosity, prayer. The last one, here we go, sound of faith. We're doing all right, yeah. sort of. A sound of faith. Is the sound that comes out of your mouth the sound of facts or the sound of faith? Is it the sound of describing or is it the sound of declaring? Are you describing what's going on in your world or are you declaring your destiny? Is it filled with vision or is it filled with circumstance? This is the difference between being fact or faith orientated. See, fact-based living always asks the question, what can we do? What is the finite resource that I have in my life? What can I do with that? But faith-based declaration doesn't say, what can we do? It says, what must we do? What is the vision? And therefore, what must we do? You know what I call vision? It's the big trick from God. Vision is the thing that God uses to get you to do things that in your right mind you would never, ever do. Because vision always has a God-sized hole in it. Any vision from God will have a hole the size of God in it. In fact, if it doesn't have a God-sized hole in it, then it's not of Him. The Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. Why would God give you a vision for something that didn't require His involvement? Just using basic logic here. I'm a basic person smart ones in Australia. Faith is our position. It's our posture. There is a sound of faith and you can see it when you're talking to people. See, a fact-based person is always describing the past or the present. They're always describing what went wrong back there and how what went wrong back there is impacting them today. But a faith-based person, a person who has the sound of faith on them, doesn't talk about what went wrong in the past, isn't even consumed with what's going on right now. They're so forward-focused. They're already living 10 years in the future. They're Elon Musking the heck out of life. They're, they're already there. And they're dragging their circumstances to their future rather than letting their circumstances tell them what their future is going to look like. This is the spirit of faith. 
This is the declaration of faith that God is wanting to, in, wanting to unleash in your life. This is the sound. This is the war cry that God is putting in our lives. If we would be a people that gather together under one roof in His name and have a, have a sound of encouragement, if we have a sound of faith, if we have a sound of prayer, if we have a sound of generosity, it will be a war cry in which the devil cannot stand against it. He, is, he will be intimidated by it and he will run fleeing because he's got nothing to show for it. He can't do anything. This little piece of flesh hangs in your mouth between your ears. Is a powerful, powerful, powerful weapon. You know, the Bible describes, I'll finish with this. The Bible describes God's Word as a two-edged sword. Faith is the shield, sword is His Word. But many of us have our sword nice, shined up in its sheath. It's alongside. Look at my sword. Check out my sword. Sword. Look at this. Woo! You know what I need? I need to go to Bible study so I can get me a bigger sword. Look at this sword. Check this sword out. Let's get together with a group of people. Let's get our swords out. Let's polish them swords up. Let's get them nice and shiny so that if anybody walks by, they'll be able to see. Check this sword out. But the sword has no value. It's just a decorative ornament. You go to Buckingham Palace, you'll see the changing of the guards. Guess what they all have? A sword. But then, you know, Buckingham Palace guards, the beef eaters with the big funny hats, they're about as intimidating as a clown. Well, not a creepy clown. Very intimidating. No, I tell you, but you take that sword out, now it becomes a weapon. The way that the sword of God's Word gets unsheathed is when you begin to declare it, when you begin to speak it, when you begin to declare His Word over your life. Paul and Silas changed the future of not just their lives, but the destiny of the, of the church. Because in their moment of trial, rather than describing what was wrong, they began to lift their voices in praise and worship. They began to encourage one another from the inside out. They began to speak with a, declare with a spirit of faith. They began to pray without ceasing and worship the living God. And in that moment, the doors flew open, the walls came down, and not just them, it wasn't just them that were able to get out of that prison. Every person that was in that prison was able to get out. They didn't just set themselves free. They set everybody that was in, in, the, in their area free as well. See, this isn't just about you folks. This is about everybody in your world. There is a sound. What are you doing with this instrument that God has given you? Are you declaring? If you're not receiving, if you're not living in the full promise of God, what He has declared over your life. I know right now, I, just, I tell you, there's, there are, some of us, we can make a shift. We can make it right now. We don't have to go and pray about it. We don't have to seek God anymore. What we have to do is just make a decision and a choice. And I know that for some of us in this room right now, there are visions and dreams for your life that you've just put aside. You've just 
stash those things away because circumstances have got you down. Situations have told you, well, this isn't, isn't a part of your future anymore. And you found yourself stuck. Your tongue is the thing that will get you unstuck. Come, if you're a person here today that wants us to begin to declare with a new voice, I want you to stand with me in this place right now. Come on, just stand where you are. Come on. There is a voice that God is wanting to unlock in you, and this is your moment of decision. This is your moment of choice. Say, you know what? Today I'm going to leave this place, and I'm going to declare the Word of God over my circumstance. I'm going to declare His plan and His purpose over my life. If you've found yourself from time to time describing everything that's wrong, you need to be standing right now because God doesn't, isn't, isn't motivated by your problem. He's motivated by you getting engaged in the solution. He's motivated by you declaring His word over your life right now. Every one of you that's standing, I'm believing with you that as we begin to pray right now, that there is a switch that is going to go off in you where the old way of speaking is going to die and a new way of declaring is going to rise up, that you will take your tongue captive. You will tame that wild beast and it will become the very thing that God had promised that it would always be, that it wouldn't be an agent of death. It would be the agent of life in your world. Father in heaven right now, I declare over every person standing in this place, Lord, and for those that didn't have the courage to get up too, Lord, Father, I just declare, Father, Father, that you would move in their world, Father. There would be a shift that would happen right now, that their tongue would become firmly rooted and founded in your word, that they would declare who you are. They would declare your praises, your plan, your purpose and destiny over their lives, Father, over this city and over this church, Lord God. Thank you for listening to today's message. We trust that you heard from God and are more encouraged, more refreshed, and more in love with Jesus than you were before. If you ever find yourself in the area, we'd love for you to attend a service. For more information on C3 Vancouver, you can visit our website at www.c3vancouver.org.